what we've got here is failure to communicate. From sunny Southern California, we bring you Meet Bridget, a podcast for building confident communication and female badassery. We spotlight women who have bridged the gaps in their lives by building strong relationships and speaking their teenage dreams into reality. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Meet Bridget. Thanks for joining me for another Bridge Etymology. I'm Kashia, the COO of Bridget, and together with our founder and CEO, Asha Gabriel, I help run a confidence and communication platform for teen girls. For those of you new to the show, etymology is the study of the origin of words and the way in which their meanings have evolved throughout history. Not only are we total word nerds, but Asha and I have utilized etymology as a way to bring focus to the way we communicate in our past events, and so it's a very fun honor bringing this practice of breaking down commonly used words to all of you. In the spirit of thinking deeply and intentionally about the way we communicate, I want to use today's bridge etymology to talk about a word that I've been hearing a lot of more and more over the past couple of years, but especially over this last one. I hear it in meetings, I hear it in practice, I hear calls for it from friends and family, and it's a word that defines a part of my character that, like confidence, I seek to actively exercise every single day. Bear with me here. It's a wild thing. Getting older, watching the world change, because you're growing older with each rotation around the sun, it's almost like nothing's changed at all. Everything is the same until it's not, right? Because even though things can change in an instant, usually they change little by little and over time. But then when you look back at the state of the world five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, God, it's crazy I can even say that. Am I 100? But you realize that the world has been transforming right along with you. To put it another way, 10 years ago, I used to look for creative inspiration by spreading magazines and books out in front of me. If I wanted to see my friends, I called them or I walked to their house. The most recognizable faces graced covers of magazines and they were on TV. And if I wanted to seek things out on the internet, I'd actually look for them. Today, I need only speak my grocery list out loud, and I guarantee you that within minutes, I'll be getting ads via Instagram or in Safari from Grove Collaborative or the next big protein supplement or ad spots for a meal plan service. Similarly, those big recognizable faces that are still on TV, they're also now saturating the internet in the form of influencers turned viral celebrities. And I'm not saying that any of it's bad, But remember the Industrial Revolution? Well, here we are again, perhaps for the third or fourth time, just a quarter of a millennium later. Do you hear that? It's the winds of change. This time around, though, I have this theory that the rise in technology over the last 25 years has actually led to a sharp decline in our collective ability to naturally connect with one another. We've made the jump from paper to digital, and within that digital sector, we've grown up natives in a new environment where each of our interactions is first sheltered by a computer or a phone. We can be brazen and bold and offer slices of our lives through a grid and through curated stories. We can comment and give feedback with the click of a button, and we can do it all with the protection of a glass screen. 
And while you might automatically associate certain terms with this anecdote, albeit long-winded, sorry, like terms like troll and bully and gaslighting, the word I really want to focus in on and break down today is empathy. So what is empathy? Well, defined, it's the action of understanding, being aware of, being sensitive to, and vicariously experiencing the feelings thoughts, and experiences of another individual of either the past, present, without having the feelings, thoughts, and experience fully communicated in an objectively explicit manner. It's a mouthful. The second one is a little bit more clear, actually, to me, but it's the imaginative projection of a subjective state into an object so that the object appears to be infused with it. I don't know why thinking about this in terms of objects rather than human beings just makes it a little bit more objective and easy to understand. But for me, somehow it is. So where's empathy from? Empathy's origins stem from the Greek words em and pathos. Em means in and pathos means feeling. So the original root words come together to mean in feeling. This actually branched out into two words via two different cultures, the Greek empatheia and the German einfühling, but both words developed into the modern word empathy, even though the Germanic word was used more widely at the time of its inception. So let's dive right into the significance of empathy. As a word, its use has been relegated to psychological definitions. So in psychology, there are three types of empathy. There's cognitive, in which from an emotional distance, you understand and are aware of another person's emotional experience or perspective. There's emotional empathy in which you begin to experience the same feelings as another person, i.e. cringing when a friend tells you how they just stubbed their toe. And then there's compassionate empathy, which is kind of the combination of the two. It's the combined experience and sensation of cognitively understanding another's perspective while feeling it with them. So you're in that feeling with that person. Empathy as a principle should not be confused with the very similar word sympathy, which means with feeling rather than in feeling. And the major difference is that when you're practicing empathy, you're actually experiencing the emotions and perspective of another person. Whereas when you are practicing sympathy, you feel for another person, but you're not actually immersing yourself into the feelings themselves. Elliot thinks it's thoughts. No, Elliot. Elliot feels his feelings. It's the difference between being emotionally connected and having an understanding. Actor Ed Norton says this in a really great way. I've always thought of acting as more of an exercise in empathy, which is not to be confused with sympathy. You're trying to get inside a certain emotional reality or motivational reality and try to figure out what that's about so you can represent it. So let's talk about empathy implied. Research on empathy as a principle these days brings up a lot of different points and perspectives. Bylines like, is technology ruining empathy? And why is empathy important? Flood search engines. Even more common are questions of what the difference between empathy and sympathy are, which we just covered, and most common, are actually questions like, am I an empath? Or how can I tell if I am an empath? No, I just have a lot of feelings. According to multiple psychology journals, empaths are described as being highly sensitive individuals 
who have a keen or innate ability to sense what people around them are thinking and feeling. Psychologists use the term to describe a person that experiences a great deal of empathy, usually at their own expense. The term empath can also be used as a spiritual term describing an individual with special psychic abilities to sense the emotions and energies of other people. The interesting thing, though, is a study published in the online journal Nature Neuroscience estimated that only 2% of the world's population is comprised of true empaths. Truthfully, I kind of struggle with this one. How it's reflective of the world's entire population is kind of difficult for me to wrap my brain around, but it actually brings me to an interesting train of thought. One is that by proof of search engine hits, people are curious to know and learn more about empathy, what it is, how it differs from sympathy, how to tell if you have it, or even predisposed to experiencing the world as an empath. And two is this in and of itself gives me invigorated hope that even in a world struck by pandemic and changed by technology, as humans were actually predisposed to seeking out connection, even if it means we have to Google search in order to learn about how to make it happen. It also means that we're willing to do the work and empathy, whether you're an empath or the other 98% of the population trying to become more empathetic, is a muscle that has to be exercised. It's proof of our animal need to understand one another, even if through nonverbal cues. I wish that I could bake a cake made out of rainbows and smiles and we'd all eat and be happy. Researchers have discovered that far from being an immutable trait like all other worthwhile things, and here's an Easter egg, take a listen to episode three on the, on the definition of confidence if you haven't already, but empathy can be developed. Empathy begins when you set the intention of listening for emotion and then being in that feeling. It's when you make an effort to notice the signals that people are giving so that it can indicate what they're feeling. Your own emotions can sometimes pose a significant barrier when it comes to noticing what others are feeling. So empathy requires vulnerability, bravery, and intention. To immerse yourself in the act of feeling someone else's feelings, you must intentionally be brave enough to be vulnerable. It cracks your heart open to allowing another person's perspectives and feelings to flow through you for a time. It's an act that takes patience and practice. I also think it's worth noting that while empathy is powerful and potent, so then are the decisions that empathy leads to. While openness and vulnerability lend to an increased understanding and feel for another person's lived experience, one still has to make the choice to use that skill to listen, interpret, and support. In other words, empathy is really only the first step in creating a safe environment for communication. So even for those predestined to be naturally skilled at empathy, i.e. empaths, being able to deeply feel is a tool that should be utilized and strengthened in order to act and communicate compassionately, vulnerably, and bravely. And we all know how Bridget feels about communication. It's our cornerstone. By acknowledging bias and utilizing empathy, by being in the feeling, by going back to that original root definition and immersing yourself in the act, we can move beyond our own worldviews to try to understand those held by other people. And spoiler alert, when you do that, when you immerse yourself in it, 
you're going to build community and make new friends along the way. Wait. What if just for tonight, we weren't co-workers, we were co-people? Okay, folks, that's all I've got for you today. If you're interested, I highly recommend taking a few minutes to watch Brene Brown's TED Talk on building empathy through bravery and vulnerability. I'll link that and a couple other interesting articles in our show notes. But until next time, thanks for listening. And that's our show. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe to, follow, and share Meet Bridget with your circle. The best way to help our work here is to rate and review our podcast. We're listening and constantly working to build something helpful for you. Catch you next time. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world.